Hey guys, welcome to episode 64 of the JV Club. This episode was recorded um, a couple weeks ago with my dear friend from high school, Christina Jasberg. She is... um, Someone who I think has just really faced uh, a pretty amazing amount of adversity with total style. I almost wanted to say panache. I think I'm going to go ahead and say it. Guys, if you're looking for panache, this is your girl. If you're looking for the goofiest, most adorable and silly version of panache you can find, this is your girl. I don't know how silly we get on the podcast. I will say that we spend most of our time talking about uh, the fairly serious subject matter of mental illness and uh, kind of her experiences with it. But um, she's a total joy. And I think that, you know, as I've learned from episodes in the past where people have talked about some of the difficult stuff that they struggle with, it seems like uh, a lot of you guys get something out of it. So I'm hoping that the the same holds true here. I want to thank Tina for doing the podcast. Um, Uh, If you can keep up with me, Tina is short for Christina. I don't want to scare anybody by uh, shocking you with that development. But um, and then you probably also realize that this episode is being recorded in advance of its release uh, by a couple of weeks because of my New Zealand trip. So the shout outs that I have are uh, really just what I've what I've been able to pull up recently. I'm sure there are going to be some shout outs I need to catch up on while I am away. But if I'm out there, you know hanging out with the hobbits i don't know i could have come up with something much cooler to describe new zealand than that but uh, and i'm not able to to keep up uh at least we'll have some shout outs covered in these episodes to come while i am away i want to thank anna s for your email grant h heather w my sweet heather w john f a teacher who sent me a wonderful email can't get enough teachers out there guys very supportive of all of our wonderful teachers um I want to acknowledge that Josh J has created a, a game for girls called Heroin. It's available on Barnes and Noble's website, and the overview explains that Heroin is a storytelling game that helps you and your friends tell tales of a young heroine in another world. Each time you play, a heroine meets new companions, faces terrible dangers, and a fierce antagonist, and struggles to overcome all sorts of heroic challenges. I love the idea of a sort of D and D for girls to. Um, you know, build their self-esteem and make them feel empowered and stuff. So I encourage you all to check that out. Uh, I want to thank Tammy H for her lovely email. I want to thank Sam L, Damon, John C, Kaylee, Matt F, Robert C, Alyssa H, Rob S, Ben V, Pierre Jerome, Celeste, Tammy C, Jennifer L S, and Mary S, as well as Caitlin. Um, that was a combination of Twitter and Facebook shout outs. You guys know who you are. I'm imagining you probably know the medium by which you reached out to me and got in touch. So um, thanks for uh, being in touch. I can uh, continue to adore all of your emails. Um, I'm so excited to uh, report back on New Zealand. I hope that uh, I have only good things to say about it because someone's going to hear about it if I don't. And um, Um, I will see you guys on the flip side. I hope everybody is doing great, and uh, I bid you farewell. Now entering Nerdist.com. You feel me? 
I feel you. She feels me. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that one coming at all. That was not a <laughs> that sound was a I expected. One. Thank you very much. I feel that I, I was a chorus of angels a bit just then. Um, guys, I'm so excited to welcome my guest to this podcast episode. This is my dear friend. Now, I understand that it may confuse you to see that uh, she's listed as Christina Jasberg on the podcast episode. I will be referring to her as Tina. Guys, rest assured it's one and the same person mm. rest assured tina is a nickname for christina she goes by christina now but uh, i knew her as tina in high school and um so that's you guys are gonna have to get used to that straight away straight away straight <laughs> you're like my yes man she's also my ed mcmahon for this podcast that's a very dated reference guys perhaps i should have said my uh, andy richter <laughs> my andy richter uh for this podcast but but tina and i were uh in high school together that's where we met and that's how we know each other and we were very 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 close friends in high school and she has just come out to visit me um here in los angeles and she also did paul gil martin's podcast and so um you know paul and i are kind of tag teaming a little bit in the sense that you'll get some information on his podcast if you're interested. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Mental Illness Happy Hour, but I encourage you to check it out if you don't know. Um, most of you do know that Paul Gilmartin and I hosted dinner and a movie together for seven years, and he's a dear friend. And uh, Tina's story is um, very layered and interesting, and there's just a lot of information. And so we really both wanted to podcast her and um, and give you guys the opportunity to sort of hear a very specific, interesting story about uh, the face of mental illness and to hopefully encourage people to think a little bit more outside the box and um, and think maybe a little bit more liberally about what we talk about when we talk about healthcare for the mentally ill and stuff. So, but uh, but since Tina and I are such close friends and we've known each other for so long, we're probably gonna this will be like more of the goofy side <laughs> of uh, of her her past, her upbringing, and um, maybe even her present. Everything uh. we're just gonna see where it goes. But um, we've had a really fun time together this weekend. I'll stop talking. You can also talk. I feel like <laughs> this is my second hug. podcast ever. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm like holding the mic. Really primly and <laughs> I, I gotta relax i gotta relax you can just relax i know the mic i'm so used to holding the microphone and yeah. people who do stand up are so used to having a microphone in front of their mouths but um i could probably find a stand for you if you want one but i like having the mobility I'm i actually really feel more awkward if i'm leaning into a microphone stand like i'm doing a press conference yeah that's even worse I somehow you feel me i feel you again you feel me <laughs> this is great yeah um I will ask you to uh, tell the nice folks who are listening to this podcast what we're super excited about right now, what's happening on my deck with my Ivy. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, first off, I am a birder. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know. <laughs> Straight from no, the start, guys. I, I, I saw this movie, um, The Big Year, um, and ever since, I've been birding for about a year. And on her deck, we found, well, Janet's like, there's a little hummingbird on my deck. <laughs> on your deck. <laughs> in the ivy, I have ivy that kind of grows up in a sort of a wall of ivy near yeah. her deck. And she's like, there's a hummingbird sitting in there. And I, I look at it and I said, I think it's sitting on a nest. And she's like, no, I think it's just sitting there. And it was sitting there for an awful long time to be yeah. just sitting there. And sure enough, a ne nest. It's nesting it up. 
Yep, it's nesting it. I hate to call this out on the podcast, but feel free to put the microphone just a tiny bit closer to your mouth. I would put oh, it sort of it, right up around it. here. Is that okay? Yeah. If not, I can turn your volume up, but I just want to make sure I, we match okay. volumes because otherwise it sounds like I'm like trying to be the star and my voice is a little louder. Wow, Jay. It's almost like you hear Hollywood stories where like certain people, like I heard a rumor that Paul Reiser had in his contract that Helen Hunt would always have to make $1 less than he did. Uh, um. And, yeah, and this is like I I have to have my guests one decibel quieter than me so that just, everyone's aware. You know, I just didn't want to like breathe on the <laughs> on the audience. <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because when I do my intros, I feel like I'm very aware of my breath. Like if I'm having a conversation with someone, I don't really hear it. But if it's just me, yeah, I feel like I'm like, hey, everybody, <gasps> thanks I'm for listening to the podcast. Right now. <sighs> yeah, I want you to feel free to breathe. Okay. I enc- <laughs> in fact, I encourage breath. <sighs> But yeah, guys, so there's a, a hummingbird building a nest in the mm. ivy. It's such a tiny nest, guys, because hummingbirds are very small. So it's like, it's almost like a half a golf ball size. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, small. Even smaller. It's so small. And it's like mostly moss and like soft stuff that she's yeah. using. And she knows to pick. Listen, I could talk about this the entire podcast. Uh-huh. She knows to pick colors that will blend in with the ivy. So it's this light green we'll show we'll put a picture on the facebook page it's but really it's this neat, guys. light green soft little mossy cup yeah <laughs> where hopefully she'll lay that's an the egg. best description i've ever heard Thank you very much yeah so what a joy we're we've been celebrating that all weekend we like have, a pup like a celeb- couple of old ladies we've been celebrating a lot this weekend let me we tell you we have been i've been reading old high school notes that tina sent me sent me like put in my locker <laughs> um we were really into Scooby-Doo when we were in high school and we liked making, we loved Scooby-Doo. We also loved making fun of Scooby-Doo and old Scooby-Doo, like the animated movies that they did. I'm not talking guys of the live action Scooby-Doo starring my friend and yours, Matthew Lillard. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way. No, but we're talking, you know, old school Casey Kasem Shaggy. We're talking old school, like before our time even, like yeah. stuff that was, you know, references that we didn't even get, but there were these they were reruns old cartoons. We were yeah, there were reruns. Exactly. Um, so we spent a lot of time drawing dogs, um, Scrappy-Doo, uh, the way that Scrappy-Doo, which I guess is his nephew, his cousin? Somehow related. What's the familial relation to He's Scooby? He's little. <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> will clarify that for us. But, uh, but he, but Sco- the way Scooby says, uh, Scrappy's name is just Rappy. You lose the, uh, SC sound. And so we used to call each other Rappy. And we thought it was really funny. And I have a lot of uh, notes from Tina with a lot of doodles of dogs. You might hear Rappy during this podcast. So that's why Janet filled you in. Yeah. Don't be alarmed if we explode with a Rappy or two. And then I came up with a pretty good Scooby impression. Yeah. Oh, you're going to do your Scooby laugh? It's pretty loud. Maybe I should hold the microphone. Hold the mic back. (laughs) That is solid. (laughs) It still is. You still got it. I, I got it. You still got it. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. That's really good. Wow. I don't know how to go from. I don't know where to go from there. Can, there's nowhere to go it's but down the from there. Unfortunately, yes. Um, so we just. It was just a, a really fun time. Tina and I were in drama together, and um, when I talk about not to dive into this too soon, but I will say that just to give you a, a sort of snapshot of Tina's personality to me when. I tell people if, if I've had conversations about, you know, battling mental illness um, and, and people that, you know, we've known or that it's things that have happened to us. But um, specifically, when I talk about referring to Tina, I usually say 
imagine the sweetest, funniest, most lighthearted, really just like a beam of sunshine in your life. Like the person who you think is the most positive, sweet, Mm. harmless, Mm. loving person in your life. Imagine that that person is faced with like what seem like at times insurmountable obstacles with, um, with mental health. And I'm sure you can understand why when I came to understand that she was going through these things, I was like, honestly, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but anybody but her. Why her? And I think that that's really, that's why we wanted to do this podcast together. At least that's why I wanted to have her on the podcast is that, you know, not unlike when I had my cousin Julian on to sort of put a personal face on, um, on the trans community. I think that this is a person that hopefully will, you know, my, my feeling about her, my affection towards her, I think might hopefully serve as a way in for a broader picture for people who maybe don't, aren't as familiar with kind of what can happen to people and who it happens to. And, um, so that's, that's sort of, you know, that's kind of a long explanation, but that's kind of what I have in mind. Um, so why don't we get into, a little bit about sort of your upbringing and, and where you're from and get sure. all that, you know, officials business out of the way. Uh, <laughs> the introduction. Everything appears, appears to be in order. Uh, <laughs> check, check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I lived in Los Angeles till I was seven, then moved to Tucson, Arizona, and grew up there ever since. Um, I'm 37 years old and I'm not ashamed to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Loud and proud. So I've lived there 30 years and I come from a family of teachers. Both of my parents were elementary school teachers Um, and I have a brother and a sister. Um, We're all two years apart and I'm the middle. Middle child. (laughs) Have you thought, do you think the middle child has, do you feel like, you know, some people, I, I, these guys know I always talk about on the podcast. I'm always fascinated by um, the way, you know, where you fall in your, in your, right. in your siblings and whether or not you feel like you guys exhibited sort of eldest middle and baby behaviors as people yeah. tend to understand it or as like to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, my, my whole strategy <laughs> as a child was to blend in, um, Interesting. Uh, and be the star at the same time. So I think that is is that usually like the first child who's like the star? I don't know. It's interesting. I think, I mean, the first child tends to take on a lot of responsibility. Which she did, um, my sister. Yeah. Let me fill you in a little bit. Um, when I was in grade school, my dad um, got very sick with mental illness. He um, he was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, which is um, schizophrenia with, his was with depression. Um it can be with bipolar disorder as well, mm-hmm. but I believe his was with more of depression and he had horrible things happen to him. Um, paranoia. So, yeah. So paranoia is sort of the schizophrenia side, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, a, would that be a typical, yeah. um, effect of schizophrenia would be paranoia, perhaps even the hearing of voices, delusions, delusions uh, about things. Um, he, you know, he told me it's okay to say all this. So I yeah, wanna... you know, we talk about on the podcast, not wanting to tell necessarily our parents stories or tell other people's stories, okay. but, but in, ter- in terms of wanting to make sure they're cool with it. Yeah. And so Tina did talk to her dad and I checked it out. He's, yeah. Um, but I know that he thought the FBI was after him and, um, he would look for his picture in the newspaper 
um, thinking that they were looking for him. It's so interesting how the brain creates a false, like, did he have a, a reason for like, what did he, was he able to create a reason that that happened? Well, or there was, was, it, was this just like a foggy. Yeah. There was a big stressor in, in his life. Um, and it, he, it triggered something in his brain. Um, he, he probably was predisposed to it in his genes. Um, but it did trigger it. And, it's kind of like it turns on that gene mm-hmm. to me. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, um, but growing up in that environment, although but like, here's what I was actually asking, oh. although that's a great answer. And I'm really glad that you answered that. My question too is, I guess what I was asking is like, did he have a reason that he could give that made sense to him? Why the FBI would be after him? Because as a school teacher, what did he feel he'd done that the FBI was looking for him, or do you know that answer? It's okay if well, you don't. I obviously. don't know, but at this time he wasn't teaching school. Mm-hmm. Um, he would take um, long medical leaves, and then he finally retired early. So he wasn't teaching while this was going on. I just want right. to kind of be clear okay. about that. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, but but he also wasn't like making a bomb in his garage. No. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have a reason that the FBI should be watching. No, him. nothing. But somehow he became convinced that it was still true. So that's where it gets tough for me is that I understand that our minds sort of break with reality, mm-hmm. but it makes me wonder if there, if someone says when, when a situation like that, when you say, I know you feel this is happening, can you think what you've done to cause yeah. this, if there's also a reason in your mind that you've created for that too, like, well, right. I didn't pay my taxes one year, yeah. and I think the FBI is really cracking down on that, or you know, it's interesting where logic and illogic, yeah, or non-logic kind of come together. I mean, I don't know if I should skip ahead to this, but I I have had similar things happen to me, yeah, um, and there was nothing I could do to prove what that my feelings had any basis to them. Right. So, um, well, should we talk about that? I know that you talked about it on Paul's podcast, but since we're talking about childhood a little bit, like for example, you have a memory, what seems like a real memory to you of being kidnapped, right? Right. Or at least maybe not a, is it a memory or is it the idea of a memory? Like, do you remember an actual thing happening or do you remember a feeling that it happened? I remember where I was. Um, I was at the park next to our house and I remember being in a car that was really junky and there was two men. Then I remember walking home, sulking, looking at my bracelet that had my information on it. Do you remember those that kids used to wear? I don't know if they still do, but it had like your phone number and your address on it. And I was just sobbing. And I just remember that. That's all I remember. I have no proof. My mom has no recollection. I mean, so she has no recollection of you because it sounds like so you don't have a recollection of like the police or your parents coming to you or so kidnapped. I think kidnapped kidnapped sounds like somebody took you and asked for money for your return. But it could just be that you were abducted briefly. Yeah. And so it's is it possible that there's this that there is this murky memory of something that happened to you that no one else knows about because maybe you were afraid to tell anyone back then? Well, that's that's what I I think about. Um, Part of me wonders if it was a vivid dream and then it became a memory for me. Sure. Um, It's hard because it's so detailed. 
but I do have a memory that's pretty detailed. So um, yeah, you do. Yeah, you have a good memory for stuff. <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's so interesting. Okay, so not to use that as an example, but like in terms of create your the, your, the brain's ability to create a false memory or something like that, um, feels like it could possibly be connected to well delusions. I, I, I don't know. I have I mean, a better example. Okay. Um. Well, I, you know, Janet explained that I do have a history of mental illness, so I'm gonna just gonna skip ahead to well, the well, end. We, we bounce all over the place. Okay, you know, I'm skipping ahead the to yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, about a year ago, I was having a lot of hormonal issues and I did have, um, I was on the wrong, I had had a hysterectomy and I was on the wrong um, hormone replacement and I had homicidal thoughts and never thought it would happen to me. But the homicidal thoughts weren't, I'm going to kill somebody. It was, I already did. I better turn myself in. Wow. But I had no rhyme or reason. <sighs> you know? Yeah. And but so just to bring myself into this a little bit too, um, we talked while this was happening. Yeah. And um and I know that when we spoke one day, you you were feeling more like it wasn't that you were deluded and thought at the time that we spoke. We, it wasn't that you thought you had already done something. It was that you were feeling like you could identify with, you know, sort of a rage at the man, the some some higher office, some you know, just some the sort of the world at large, authorities, etc. That um, that in some way felt like you felt a, like a rage. And you would yeah. say to me, I know this isn't me. Like, this doesn't feel right. I do, but I don't know what to do with these feelings. Yeah. There's actually two separate occasions where I ever had these thoughts of, they call it HI, <laughs> homicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. um, and I put myself in the hospital both of those times in a psychiatric hospital. Um, so this is really jumping ahead, but I know we can do, well, we can, we can get back to it. I mean, okay. I, 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 you guys know that we do, we're just so all over the place and we do things out of order here, but, um, but in a way it makes sense because it's one of the reasons that we wanted you to do the podcast. Yeah. We meaning you and me, yeah. because you know, to me again, to, to just characterize Tina again, it's like, imagine the sweetest person in the world saying, I can imagine killing someone. And you're like, that's not you. Yeah. That's not you at all. And I think that what really struck me is obviously this was happening when I was at HuffPost Live also, and we had had Sandy Hook, and we had had the shooting at the mosque, and we had had the shooting in Colorado, and all of that stuff was happening within a six-month period. Right. And there was a lot of talk, particularly after Sandy Hook, about society's responsibility to the mentally ill, mm -hmm. and that there's it's very easy for us to go... Well, it feels safer to us to say, like, this is just some one crazy person that we couldn't have stopped them. We couldn't know, you know, there's right. no, nothing could have been done. It's just a crazy person. We can't right. watch everyone all the time kind of thing. Opposed to how do we respond to the mentally ill? How do we discuss it as a society? Do we discuss it as a mm -hmm. society? And are there people that you guys know and care about who may, you know, slip into something like this because they don't they can't get the medication they need or they're on the wrong medication and yeah. wouldn't we all rather 
lend a helping hand in some way, shape or form or be open about it and talk about it than to have something. Thank God it was you that, 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 that you were the person that you are and you were able to say, I recognize that this is not good. And these are thoughts that I am having that I do not want to have. And you checked yourself into the hospital, but what about someone else right. who doesn't have your same background or who doesn't have your same core values, who just needs that sort of extra push into the, into the world of the insane to take a, a step that is irrational and terrifying. Well, that's why, you know, with my, my, my history gave me something and, and we'll talk about my history <laughs> in a little bit, but, um, I know about mental illness very well. And so I knew that something was happening to me that shouldn't happen. Um, and I know how to navigate and get help. And that's, what's wrong is that with the stigma of mental illness, many people aren't talking about it and they don't know when to get help why to get help and and they're ashamed yeah and that can just end up taking you further into a place of anger or a place of self-hatred a place of hatred that then turns outward it's sort of fluctuating between outward and inward and exactly and, and I may say, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Fucked up shit happens. Uh-huh. Um, well, let's go back. Then let's go back a little bit because obviously going through what you went through with your dad and mm-hmm. seeing his struggle um, had a profound influence on your experience of being a young person, of being a child. And I think what's so remarkable is I knew early on that your dad suffered from schizophrenia because you're, you were pretty honest with uh, your friends about it. Right. Um, but I, you were the furthest thing in my mind from someone who would ever, again, furthest thing in my mind from someone who would ever have any kind of mental problems because he just seemed like a, an adorable about you know ray of light um and we were we had a great time in high school right even despite all the the kooky stuff that was going on we were still being goofy and being silly and yet you had this stuff going on so when did you first start like when did you did you ever feel quote unquote normal and did you start to notice a shift in yourself and your perception of what felt right or normal to you or happy versus sad, all that? Yeah, I mean, there was one incident when I was in grade school. And I didn't, I haven't told very many people about this, but um, I was listening to the radio and then all of a sudden the DJ's voice got very slow and I can't even do it, but slow and sarcastic sounding. And I like shook it out of my head, you know, I was scared and I went up to my mom to tell her or to hear what she sounded like. And she sounded the same way. Interesting. And I thought that something wasn't right, but it it just freaked me out more than anything. Sure. And I kind of blocked that out. I, I didn't remember that, you know, for the longest time until I was in therapy and I was like, wow, I remember this happening. Yeah. And what and did your therapist say that's that that's a sort of a a hint at mental illness? Like, is it a hint at schizophrenia or is it a hint at bipolarity? But suppose you say bipolarity. Can you say that? I don't know. That, Bipo- that sounds good. <laughs> Bipolarness. Um, bipolar. Or just some sort Disorder. of just some some small little break with reality in terms of what you were perceiving versus what was yeah. happening. More. Um, neurological interesting Um, okay and and they separate the two and it's always this big discussion about neurology and psychiatry but that's who was most interested in it is my neurologist 
Interesting. Yeah. I never got a definitive answer. I don't think people know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what's interesting too, yeah, I think when we talk about, oh God, this is like, there's so much to say, but even like with my stuff, you know, you guys, if you've listened to the Marina Bamford episode, you know that I was diagnosed when I was younger with something called depersonalization displacement syndrome. And that is so conditional to kind of depression and anxiety. But in a way, it seems to me so neurological because the experience of being in your own body and the way you perceive your musculature and your hands and your feet and your tongue and all this stuff is almost physiological rather than like, it's not like you're sad or you're anxious or you know what I mean? It is like a physical manifestation that's so specific that it almost seems like it's more well i, I believe physical that than mental. i don't know they're deeply intertwined yeah. so i think because there's not a specific test for a lot of these things it gets thrown in the category of mental illness yeah um and also it's anything that's happening to your brain and i get i'm i want to talk about deja vu vu which you guys will hear about at some point later <laughs> but anything that's happening i'm sure you guys um anybody who's experienced this listen whether you've taken drugs or not whether things as children things that happen to us that don't have yet a meaning or an explanation that we feel safe with they scare us right and then fear is something that can help generate uh, a mental illness definitely so something neurological happening to you that you don't understand could create a mental illness yeah experientially it's like oh my god this scary thing just happened i don't understand it now i'm fearful now i'm an anxious child now i have fear about things yeah and i'm 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 glad you brought up (laughs) the anxious child thing because I internalized it not to change the subject but I'm going to change the subject (laughs) it's going to get changed like 80 times no um because of my dad's illness and because I didn't talk about it um I grew into a very very anxious child who bottled everything up became a perfectionist um that's really how I I got through um rough times is to do perfect at everything and then I wouldn't be noticed. Mm. Even though you get noticed, you know, you win awards, whatever, I wouldn't be noticed in a negative way. And um, I wouldn't create any tension in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I would only con- con- contribute yeah. good things. Yeah. And oh, yeah. How exhausting. And, and that could be an explanation for that that episode of, of the slow sounding DJ is a buildup of anxiety so yeah. much where it affects the brain. Yeah. And kids don't know that they're locking things away. You know, they're not, there's, they're not, they're not, I don't think that they're making the same kind of conscious choices, like where they're actually having a conversation with themselves. They're like, listen, I'm just going to not deal with these exactly. feelings. I'm go ahead and tuck these away. You know, you're just not, you're, those things are innately happening. Yeah. It's like primitive survival yeah, type things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that explains why when we met, I was like, she's great. There's no, nothing going on. No skeletons in this closet. Like, what a joy. We just laughed and laughed and we're we super did. silly. And that doesn't mean that the silliness wasn't real. Of course it was. Thank God you had an outlet. Um, I did. With a complete dork like me who wanted to just goof around with we you We melded quite well. Yeah. But, um, yikes. Yowzers. And zoics while I'm at it. I'm throwing a zoics. Yeah, old Scooby-Doo reference. Yeah. 
So in so when 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 we were in high school, you know, for example, I mean, here's an example. Like we went to to uh, Tina and I and our two friends Jen and uh, and Sarah, with whom we were all still in touch and close. Um, when we graduated, we our parents gave us permission to to go to Disneyland together. And so we flew to Disneyland from Tucson and we went to Knott's Berry Farm and um, it was a really, really, really fun trip and we were such goofs. We have all these great pictures. We'll include some pictures on the Facebook page and stuff. And we were laughing. We were sitting together on the couch this week and laughing and laughing about something mm-hmm. and being on that trip. And you were like, it's so funny. Will you say what you said? We were like, yeah, I, I was like, it's so funny yet weird that I was making myself throw up the entire time. <laughs> and we had no idea. And not The three eating. of us had no idea that Tina was like, we just didn't, because that's the other thing is you're just in your own world. You're, you're a teenager. You know, you're not, you're not putting, taking anybody to task on what their behavior is. You're just like doing your thing. And it never occurred to any of us that you were in fact bulimic at that time. Yeah. And I was also very stressed about that on the trip because I knew that I had to eat. And I knew I was going to be with you guys 24-7. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was stressed, but I had separated that part out, and I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what the mind can yeah, create, the, all the little definitely. walls and passageways. And and that, and that was really my first, I think, symptom of my mental illness to me um, when everything started to roll um, and, and collect um, is when... I began, you know, having bulimia and anorexia um, kind of on top of each other. Yeah. Um, and that was in high school. That was my senior year. Um, and I remember, I remember the, first, the first time I'd eaten some ice cream, lots of ice cream, and, yep, threw it up. Yeah. And I uh, won't get into the details of that, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, it was, feels like I think a lot of people who talk about that particular side of things that there's this there is this sense of control, right? It's about control that there's a sense of like I can beat myself up in just the way I want to, mm-hmm. and also I'm there's a circumstance that I can sort of take hold of in some way and have an outcome that there's like a beginning, middle, and end to it somehow. Yeah. And if I'm misspeaking, you no, know, feel free to tell it's me. Definitely but. a sense of control. Um, at that time, you know, our bodies are changing. Um, I started getting hips and stuff, and I freaked out. I was not ready for that. And to me, it turned into, I, I didn't have that insight that I wasn't ready for that. To me, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting fat. Right. And I, I wasn't fat. No, um, you weren't. And at the time, though, you know, it does, it really happens where the proportions of your body get so jacked up. Right. Um, yeah, I thought if I could fit inside my hamper, my clothes hamper for the rest of my life, I would be fine. Wow. Like if I was small enough to fit oh in there. Oh my gosh. And I used to test it out. Oh my gosh. Like when you're, <laughs> when you're checking in at the airline and that you're... <laughs> carry-on bag has to fit inside that thing that was me oh my gosh it's so interesting you never put it like that to me before but that's so interesting and two to feel i mean it seems it does seem very significant also that you'd had this really traumatic stuff happening when you were growing up and that already you kind of had to grow up emotionally or not grow up at all to avoid growing up emotionally too quickly 
it seems interesting to me that there's so, that there would be like the body, the the representation of the body of becoming a woman. Also, that it would feel like, oh, great, now I really have to be like mm-hmm. a mature. And like, how hard is like what does maturity represent? Maturity represents like scary and illness illness and you know i'm sure that there's like that's really scary and that's why i think a lot of young people i mean i don't know why but around the fact that like my problem started when i was around 18 19 um and that it seems to be something that happens for a lot of young people um at that age because the stress of leaving home and the stress of maturity and hormonal maturity and stuff like that triggers those things inside of our brains that that's really a time when it's like oh god i have to live with myself for the rest of my life. Yeah. What's that going to be like? And and things like that, that maybe we don't know how to call out at the time, but. And also I think my childhood was very chaotic, even though I had a great time <laughs> again. Yeah, I, know, I had a great time like, because of, because it's easy to compartmentalize. Yeah. And I, I joke about that too. These guys know, you know, I joke about like, Oh my gosh, I had so much. I mean, look, I, I had so much fun not sleeping and doing LSD. And yet I got straight A's. Exactly. So yeah. there's got to be compartmentalizing yeah. going on there because it's not like I was a, doing a great job. I couldn't have been doing a great job on zero sleep, like coming off of something exactly. that I would never tell anyone to do because God knows what was in it or what it did to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yet I have really fond memories. Like I don't, you know, I wouldn't, if I had a miserable adolescence, I certainly wouldn't have started this podcast where I talk with people about it, you know? Yeah, me either. Um, it's like it's mis- it was miserable and it was amazing. Just like I think it is for everyone for different reasons. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think the part about growing up is, I was afraid um, things would get even more chaotic than they already were because I didn't think that it would happen to me, like mental illness. Um, But when you grow up in such chaos and then you have to take on the responsibilities of life by yourself, it's like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when – so you – again to like thrust myself back into this like i haven't been like running this whole show the entire time and not letting you get a word in edgewise but (laughs) when you so when you told me that you were bulimic i was shocked and i was heartbroken and we've talked about this you and me but i was just again just to reiterate like not tina not this person you're kidding me out of everyone i know the train (laughs) tina just got an email from a train um uh of ever of anyone I know, how could this be happening to her? How could this be happening to her? And that was sort of you're right, that was kind of the beginning big symptom that yeah. that you ended up not ignoring and you ended up reaching out about and you know, you told me about it and said I I part of my healing needs to be that I'm honest about it and I'm talking to you and I hopefully offered up my support. Hopefully I wasn't like Ugh. but I'm sure I'm sure you did. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but uh yeah. you know the thing is, is, what I was blessed with is from my dad's illness is the knowledge to get help. And I got help pretty soon. Um, even though I continued doing my behaviors, I reached out for professionals yeah. and to my family and to my friends because I saw my dad do that. Um, yeah. And so mental illness was nothing new to me even though I didn't really consider what I had yet as a mental illness. Yeah. Um, 
somewhere in me knew. Yeah. And so I think the trick, but this tricky stuff for you, I guess my question is because obviously I know that you, I know what were, what happened after what, you know, what we just talked about and that we're about to talk about. And, and, and I guess my question to you as you describe it is how, how much of, will you ever know? I'm really bad at asking point questions. <laughs> go, Will go. you ever know, or do you have suspicions about how much of what you went through after the bulimia had to do with the medication that you were prescribed, or your brain was going to do that no matter what medication you were prescribed? Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. what happened after after uh, after the bulimia was, as I remember it, that you were pretty hypomanic and about other types of behavior that were addictive. What I remember, and I could be wrong, but from what I remember, you once you kind of got the bulimia in check, you then began to exercise to compensate for the eating, which is another type of anorexia. And then I remember once the eating thing wasn't necessarily the number one. Again, you can tell me if I I'm giving yeah. you the chronological order that you're I remember. Wrong, you're wrong. I remember. <laughs> I remember okay. exercise. I remember over exercising. Mm-hmm. I remember hyper religion. Yes. I remember shopping addiction. Yeah. And I remember. I guess those are the main ones. I guess they kind of all collected. So I was doing them all at the same oh, time great. at the end. Great. Um, so I never like stopped my eating disorder. It just kind of melded with what I did next, you yeah. know, but because what, it wasn't enough. Did they put, okay. But did, did you started a medication by that time? Yeah. Um, they started me pretty soon after I went to therapy on a medication that was supposed to, um, supposed to help with the eating disorder yeah. and the depression, yeah. even though I didn't think I was depressed. Yeah. And I also told the therapist not to get off the subject, but that there was nothing wrong in my house growing up. Wow. I, I told him we were fine. Yeah. Compartmentalize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was all kind of at the end. At a certain point, you were put, they were, they put you on a lot of different stuff. So there was, oh, yeah. a, and we're not going to talk guys specifically about medications because as you'll hear in Polka Martin's podcast, um, it's really not about, I think that she, Tina very, uh, smartly doesn't want to encourage or discourage the use of any kind of medication for another individual because it is so individualized. So it's not about like, well, what was she on that made her sleepy or what was she on that made her gain weight or what was she on that made her lose weight? That stuff is just, we don't want to. You're, yeah. you're, you don't want to be responsible for someone making a choice based on what your experience was. And I think that's so smart. Right. Because it, it, it what I would say is that uh, it wouldn't be helpful because it wouldn't help. Uh, it wouldn't work um, right. that way. Right. Uh, but you had, you were on things that made you not sleep. So then they would give you something to sleep. Yeah. But then you would have to take some, I mean, that's what I remember too, right? Is it? I was Everything on, was like a side effect, and the mm-hmm. side effect had to be treated. I was on 12 different psychiatric medications at one time. That's... At one point. I can't even... I don't want to yeah. blame anyone for that, because I knew you said they were doing the best they could, but yeah. I find that so shocking. It is shocking. Um, but I again... Even, I didn't even know there were 12 that anyone would think would help right, with each other. Right, but there's combinations. Right. There was like... I think there's like what they call cocktails. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and um, and then and then the side effect meds and the sleep meds, and you know, I I think though we might want to tell them about what happened 
at the beginning of college or please yeah there? no yeah um so after my illness my my um my eating disorder i started college right after high school at the university of arizona went there three months and got very very depressed and started cutting myself and um started off well you'll hear in the next podcast but i'll, I'll tell you like a little bit <laughs> I'll give you a little hint. You're going to give him a teaser? <laughs> yeah. How sad. I'll give you a appetizer. <laughs> Let me give you an appetizer. <laughs> self-mutilation. Sad. We're no, making jokes, guys, um, because we have to laugh at that's it That's how we do it. So I, I barely started cutting superficially, and it ended up to where I almost lost use of my arm. Um, it's kind of how it escalated, and um, the eating disorder escalated. At the same time. And was that part of just like, I hate myself? Yeah. I mean, is that how you felt when you did it? Oh, yeah. My journals are filled with, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate oh, myself. Honey. That was really my mantra to myself. I remember when I was in social situations, I would, when I would break away from it for a second, I used to think in my head over and over and over again, I hate myself, I hate myself, I hate myself. <sighs> yeah. That just breaks my heart. Sorry. I know. I just. Yeah. I, I, I just don't. I just can't. We've all been there to a degree. You know, mental mm-hmm. illness so often is just like an explosion of all of the little things that sometimes we process in a day where somebody who's a little shy has an awkward conversation with someone and walks away thinking, I hate myself, but maybe they only think it once and they're able to kind of move on with their day. And this idea of having some wiring askew in your brain that would just create an environment for yourself that would be so just, just like what a, what a terrible thing to have to, what a place to live inside, you know, to live with this person that you just truly can't stand and that you're overtly hating yourself. And I think it, it stems from the perfectionism. Definitely. I was never, I could never, you know, you can never be perfect. So I was constantly striving for this like thing that could not be attained. And I was very hard on myself and that's where I hate myself got, got in there, you know, and that, and what's ironic about it, of course, is that all of the energy that you would be putting towards something to be good at something, all that energy ends up going into being hard on yourself and there's no room left to be good at something because you've taken all of your noticeable skills and applied them to self-hatred. Like you can't be busy being awesome and be so busy hating yourself at the same time, you can't get anything done hating yeah. yourself that much. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, and that's why you become, well, I became so you had to dysfunctional. Leave yeah. Uh, not dysfunctional, but non-functional. Right. Um, I, I could not function anymore. That's why I fell into a deep depression. And that's, that's why what, people will take their lives. That's right. That's, that's why people commit exactly. Um, And that's why also that you feel like you can't be part of society anymore. Um, because the energy you put forth on the negativity just sucks out anything that right. could be could be productive. And I don't know. I mean, I know, guys, this is a very serious podcast episode. <laughs> it's hard not to talk about this stuff and have it be serious. But you know what? 
fuck it we're still gonna play mash and stuff so don't even sweat it for a second guys uh, okay good, but i do want to but i do want to say i i do feel like i'm gonna get up on the soapbox i should have like a a soapbox jingle that comes on but it's like watch out good. janet's getting up on her soapbox like she's got an opinion about something and you're gonna hear it because this is our podcast <laughs> but having said all that having sung all that um this is why, like, if you are a person who's lost someone to suicide, um, I understand that there's a lot of anger that happens there. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of resent- resentment that you love. You loved someone, and somehow they chose to not to like remove themselves from your life. But um, for you know, for anybody who is sort of holding on to this idea that suicide is selfish, which I know that is a, a, an opinion or like a saying that gets propagated a lot. You know, yeah. you just hear that a lot. It's like, it's a greeting card, like, oh, suicide is such a selfish act. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. please don't use normal, mentally healthy terms yeah. to describe somebody who is in that space. I promise you no one who takes their life is going this just seems like the easy way out screw all you people who love me that's yeah that's it's selfishness is not a word that you can use when someone is barely able to breathe and feed themselves because they feel that they are of no worth in this world and are making it in fact worse yeah and and the feeling of suffocation um by everything external um i mean it's basically like okay you think that's selfish like i we're gonna we're gonna put a bag over your head fly you to a different part of the world and torture you and you're not gonna give up any secrets exactly everyone would do this no one wants to suffer and so this idea that like you know you're just weak (laughs) You're yeah. just weak because you're like, well, uh, you know what? Uh, if somebody like tortured you for 30 seconds, you would tell them anything they wanted to know. You know, that's how we all are. Nobody <laughs> yeah, wants to suffer. I know. And no one should have to suffer. So it's yeah. almost like you wouldn't want someone with cancer, with terminal cancer to suffer yeah. um, any longer. And that might yeah. be a thought in your head yeah. as this person is going through this. And you wouldn't say it's selfish of them. To not want to have those, yeah, to have yeah. That pain or to have, and yeah. And that's the problem with, with mental illness is that people see it so separately. Right. And it's not. Yeah, yeah. So, but you reached out. I mean, you were obviously, you were honest. Were you also, you must have been honest about the cutting because it's happening in a very visible place on your body, on your arms. So people must have been aware that it was going on. Yeah, I mean, the first time I cut, I freaked out and I went to my therapist's office and told him. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know what was happening to me. You know, I was familiar with my dad's illness, but this was a whole new, whole new realm. How Um, scary. And I was put in a psychiatric hospital and that was the first psychiatric hospital that I went to. And how many did you, have you been in? Uh, (laughs) um, probably more than 80 times. Ooh. Yeah. Braggart. <laughs> I got off. you on that. You are <laughs> yeah, and some of the experiences were more healthy and and sort of helpful in terms of helping you kind of get back on track. And some of them were not as much, right? I mean, I don't know how much you talked about this on Paul's podcast. I may have been like right. doing something else while you guys were covering this stuff, but 
You were faxing, actually. I was faxing. <laughs> I was creating a really loud sound with a fax because I faxed to a number and then I was like, oh, the number's busy. And then I pressed stop. And then the sound that makes it, you, uh, yeah. Yeah. The sound that sounded like the European police. I really know how to attract attention myself if I'm not being given attention myself. Anyway, so. what's the question? <laughs> the question was some of the places you went were maybe oh. less helpful to your yeah, healing yeah. process than others. Oh, definitely. I mean, some of them were very, very therapeutic. Um, and then as time progressed, actually the model changed with psychiatric hospitals in general where I live to being where you go in, you get a med adjustment, and you go out. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not sui- actively suicidal mm-hmm. or homicidal, it's not a place to spend any time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I needed is to spend some time at times. You know, not all the time. I think that some of that 80 could have been, you know, it wasn't as it wasn't helpful. Um, but that's that's how I did it. Right. Um, especially, you know, the cutting was so frequent, so frequent that they would tell me that's where I needed to go. Every time I went to get stitches, that's like you would where need I needed to be to watched and you would need I had to, to go. Yeah. I didn't they would have court ordered me if I would have um not gone. Yeah. And so I think that's where that 80 number comes in. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't just doing it like, yeah, I'm at 78. I'm so close. <laughs> Marking so it close down on the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. No. And where would you find joy in the times when, you know, when you were able to? Where would you, what made you happy? What were, do you, do you remember having, you know, the things that made you feel good? I know that we talked about some mutual friends of ours who really came and, and and showed you a good time and made you feel normal, right? I mean, that's got to be a big part of it. Yeah. It's not that you want to pretend that you're normal because obviously you don't want to, again, like compartmentalize and pretend like nothing's wrong. But it's also, and I know, you know, Tignataro talked about this a lot on the podcast and all the interviews she's done. And those of you who have gone through really tough things that people don't know how to talk to you and stuff, that that's hard too. Sometimes you just want to feel like if you're in an okay mood, you just want to, feel like a normal person sometimes or feel like there's got to be more to me than just my illness. Exactly. I've got to, well, I like, you know, what was there music that you love? Do you love animals? Did you love, you know, reading? Yeah, I did lose all of it though for a while. And I don't even remember that part of my life. I don't know if it was being totally medicated. I, I had ECT, which is electric convulsive shock therapy, which yeah. takes away some of your short term memory. memory. Oh, sure. Um, there's about a span of 10 years of my life that I don't really remember. Mm. Um, I must've found joy. You know, I remember our, our friends, you know, would take me out to lunch every week, but I remember all of those lunch times, even though we would kind of laugh, well, we would laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I, I would be talking about my mental illness the whole time. And that was my memories of it. And so it really was just all consuming for you for well, like 10 years. I didn't have an identity and it became my identity. It was like, that's a really interesting thing to say. It makes yeah, a lot of sense. I became, I would practically come up to people I didn't even know 
and shake their hand and say, oh, by the way, I have schizoaffective disorder, which is that's what I was mostly diagnosed with. I received a lot of diagnoses because 80 times in the hospital, different psychiatrists are going to give you all sorts of diagnoses. But for the longest time, it was what my dad had. And, um, which I'm sure, like when a when a parent has something like that, it's also a very easy go to, right? To oh say, yeah. Well, then probably that's what you because that's the first question. Sure. Basically, mental is, illness. Do you, do you have mental illness in your family? Yes. Yes. Who and yeah. what do they have? Yeah. Yeah. Um. What was the question? <laughs> um. Oh, what know, made I me think, happy? Yeah, or just even like you know, uh, moving past those years mm-hmm. um, when you started to kind of and what changed? You know what happened? Right. Like, I don't know. Did you talk? Did you get into that with Paul's podcast? Like what you know, the, I the don't turning remember. Point was? Um, but there was either. a turning point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I did talk to him about it. Um, but I'll I'll just fill you in. Yeah. Um, Hit me. <laughs> here it goes. With your here best goes. shot. Um, you know, I went through a very extensive therapy finally. And it was the right type of therapy for me. And I learned who I was through talk, you know, and I, I learned that I wasn't so bad. Um, and that Amen. maybe God I didn't damn it. hate myself. God damn it. And actually that Sorry I loved cursing, myself. Guys. Yeah. And, and that's where revelation. I am today. What a revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people never have that revelation is the thing. Yeah. A lot of people walking around that seem fine don't have that revelation, but I did. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that I love about you and 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 um, some of the stuff, I mean, and truly some of the stuff that you got from the hospitals and from the from the sort of artistic therapy really stuck with you, right? I mean, that you make these gorgeous, stunning cards, yeah. and you're a photographer, and you really. Um, it's funny because sometimes I think with social media and, and kind of the way that we have all these wonderful technologies at our fingertips, we we don't live in the moment because we're too busy recording the moment. And I think you do a lovely job of, of merging those two. I think you're really good at capturing memories and holding on to them. And I think it's significant that you lost 10 years and that you yeah. don't have a lot of memories, that it's important for you to hold on to those memories and preserve them. And that you have this sort of great physical representation of them, but you're also very much present in the moment. You know, people who love going out and birding or who love volunteering at the zoo or who love, you know, being with animals and caring for animals so much. Um, I think that that's uh, yes, it's a very of service and loving Mm-hmm. natural calling but i also think that you're really here in the moment and you really want you you you're present and you want to see and experience and cherish things yeah. in uh, moment by moment right and if it's not this huge long ambition like well i'm not going to be able to enjoy that hummingbird's nest because i applied for a job and i don't know if i got it yet and that's what my yeah. mind is on and, and i think happened. a lot of people you know don't know how to yeah, walk into the moment. What what was what was kind of weird to me or surprising maybe is a better word um, is that during all of these hospitalizations, I felt like I didn't learn anything. Um, they would tell you all of these coping skills. They would tell you how to live in the moment, breathing exercises, and it just went. I thought in one ear throughout the and throughout the other (laughs) and out the other Mm -hmm. and um when I started getting well um 
I naturally sort of started implementing those things. And, you know, being in the moment, like Janet and I were talking yesterday about hiking, and I was telling her there's a place where we, we are both from um, that in the summer, cold water, I think it's in the summer, <laughs> at some time of year. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get, in the spring, we get the the ice melt from Mount Lemon. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, freshwater kind of streams and pools that gather up. And then in the summer, we have rainwater. Right. So this would be more it. winter water. Maybe. <laughs> WW, winter water. Because it's colder. Yeah. Um, and and when, I, when I walk, trudge through it, when it's going over the dams there, um, I feel alive. And yeah. I know that I'm alive and I feel in my body <sighs> and everything is in that moment. And that, and that's how I long to be. Yeah. Uh, Janet and I were also talking about, um, you know, I've never had a problem with drinking or drugs. That was just nothing that I was ever, you know, had to face. Thank God. Um, but I feel like you maybe had your plate full already. Yeah, I think it was pretty full. You might not have <laughs> put some mashed potatoes on the side. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, the well, the, the yeah, what were we talking about yesterday? We were talking about hiking. We we're talking about being in the moment. Um, I can't remember what we were going to say because I got me either preoccupied thinking about mashed potatoes. Frankly, <laughs> um, I guess I I never had problems with drinking or drugs. <laughs> we are totally lost right to, now we're trying to get back i see it happening the wheels are turning and i'm turning. signaling to janet right what now what were we talking about i mean we talked about so much yesterday mm-hmm. but just wanting to feel yeah, wanting to feel normal but also understanding. oh i know oh, wanting yeah. to feel grounded yeah so i didn't I never got into that stuff because I long to be in my body. Yeah. I long to have my yeah. feet on the ground. Yeah. And when I would get drunk, it was the scariest. Sure. Sure. Um, so when I'm in the moment and I'm feeling my feet touch the earth, it's just... It feels like such a gift, doesn't it? Like it so does. simple. It's so like your simple. feet in mud, you know? Yeah, I totally <laughs> it's agree. It's the best feeling, yeah. I totally agree. It's so interesting. I mean, your brain, boy, you got a doozy. <laughs> you got a real doozy. Because because the other thing that I wanted to try to bring up, and and at a certain point, I promise, I really am, I'm forcing you to like do fun stuff at the end, but because we just had such a great weekend, I don't want anyone to think that we're like, oh my god, life. <laughs> because that's just the that's opposite. That's really yeah, it's just the opposite. Like uh, we've been laughing so much, my face hurts. From yeah, this weekend. I but, was um, trying to clear my throat before the podcast. <laughs> You're trying because my voice is so worn out from laughing. (laughs) Yeah, I know mine is too. I'm like kind of raspy, rappy. Yeah, but um, (laughs) but uh, but oh, the deja vu. I got to just talk about this for a second. So on top of everything else, guys, listen to this. On top of everything else, um, with all these different things, all these different synapses firing in your brain and the neurons and the listen, I don't pretend to know anything about how the brain works, but um, neurologist, but. but you also, as you were kind of, and this is more to the side of when you were like back as yourself, you know, you were more in, in your body and you were more yeah. present. You would have these experiences, right? Where, what would happen? Well, I was definitely in my recovery from mental illness. Yeah. I, I was actually working in the field, helping other people who have serious mental illness, adults, um, with their recoveries. 
And, you know, the word recovery is so associated with, you know, addiction alcoholism and addiction. Dixon. Dixon. <laughs> the Mason-Dixon line. Everybody knows about geography. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not sure I know what the Mason-Dixon line is. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but... So you're in the middle of working with people in recovery and then you start having these experiences where like something seems familiar to you. Like, is yeah. that sort of how it starts? Well, it started like a doozy. Um, it just hit you full force. Full force. Deja vu all of the time, 24-7. So out of nowhere. You know, we all experience deja vu sometimes, right? Like there's just this fun, fun little moment. It's usually like a fun thing where we're like, that's so odd. I almost feel like I can remember you saying that exact same thing and you were wearing that exact shirt. Or like, like I've been there like I dreamed it or this place is so familiar. I feel I'm having deja vu. Like I feel like I've either been here or maybe I've just seen pictures or I've dreamed about it or something like that. Okay, that's all fine and interesting when it happens to you once every few months or once a year or, or hardly ever. But imagine feeling that all the time. Like, oh, we just said this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just here it or, I, or like, a long time ago. Yeah. I was. And it wasn't that immediate. It, it would happen about a half an hour after something okay. would happen. So okay. say, say Janet and I were doing this podcast and right now it seems all new and fresh. Yeah. And, um, but in a half an hour we're watching TV and then in my mind it's like, I remember us doing that podcast before today like sometime a long time ago, which is impossible. And so when this was happening 24-7, my mind was reeling trying to figure out, did we do? Did we did, really do this? Did I? this happen? Was Janet wearing that shirt? Was her watch black? Yeah. You know, um, details. Like, it's like a movie. It's like Groundhog's Day, yeah. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> and... Maybe that movie was based off a of deja vu. I don't know. Maybe. But so, but, and so your point about, and too, the, the point that you made about this is that like, this is happening and anyone with your history might go, oh, I re- now I'm crazy in a new way, right? Now right. I've got a new crazy in me. Yeah. But that some part of you recognized. Yeah. That this was not mental illness. Yeah. Um, which thank God. Yeah. And because I, imagine if you'd never, I mean, this is why we're like, look, looking for a silver lining never hurts anybody. All right. the people who, you know, they say the people who believe in God always win out over the atheists because like either you're wrong and you die, <laughs> but you had this like idea that you were going someplace awesome. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, obviously I just adamantly disagree with people treating other people poorly because they have a heaven in mind and all of that. That's a whole right. other conversation. But if you're just somebody who's living your life thinking that you get to go to heaven and then you die and you're wrong, who cares? You're dead. Right. And if you you know, and if you're an atheist and you think you get nothing afterwards and you die and you find out that you're wrong, fine. But like, regardless, there's this, this, there was a radio lab episode. They were saying like, believers always win. But my point being, thank God you had this history so that when something happened to you that could make somebody else go off the deep end like that, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I've gone crazy. Mm -hmm. Everything is familiar. Every, I remember doing everything, even though I know it's impossible. You had the tools, in a sense, right. to be able to go, I don't think this is that. But I did start thinking of any explanation possible. Had I died, is this what it's like after you die? <sighs> Am I psychic? If, is this what it's like to right. start having psychic abilities? And maybe it is. I don't know. But I knew that it wasn't a normal thing for me in my mental health history. Right. And the doctors, every time I told them about it, 
they put me in the psychiatric like, hospital. Really, yeah, really easy. It's the boy who cried wolf. It's like, yeah. oh, Tina's going, Tina needs to be hospitalized Or again. Tina's malingering, which is like making it up. Mm. Um, I had some doctors think that. Yes, for okay. attention. Um, and then I had, my psychiatrist is awesome. I'll give him a shout out. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Steve. What's up, Dr. Steve? <laughs> I love that. Thanks for taking care of my girl, Dr. Steve. Yep. He, he's been my psychiatrist for 17 years and he knew it wasn't what he didn't know what it was yet. But anyway, he got me to a neurologist who was a psychiatrist as well. So he was a double whammy, double whammy. Gotta love it. Yeah. And he did an EEG and found out I have temporal lobe epilepsy, which deja vu is one of the so interesting yeah so basically the front of your brain was having little seizures yeah and the seizures create this sense of it like messes up with it messes with your sort of memory and guys i want you to know if you're wondering if i'm going to reach out to radio lab and try to get them to do a segment on this you're a hundred percent right i'm probably going to send them reach this podcast out. episode and say radio Jack lab. And robert i already shout you out in every single episode of my podcast but this is as those of you who know listen to radio lab this is prime radio lab material this idea that temporal epilepsy could give you a continued state of deja vu yeah fascinating that's why i said your brain you got a doozy i did and and the thing is is that what i've learned you know with the treatment of the deja vu because now i'm on medications and it's under control i maybe have deja vu once a month they're anti-convulsant medications but they also help with anxiety because like Stress I said, triggers, yeah. everything's connected. Yeah. Everything's connected. Yeah. <laughs> I so just have to do that stressed. twice. <laughs> we've, been, we've been repeating ourselves a lot today, this weekend and, and, and always. Oh, yes. um, say it twice makes it nice. I like to say. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, because obviously if stress triggers, stress triggers epilepsy, stress right. triggers anxiety, those things are mm-hmm. all interconnected. Um, but the best thing that you said and why we call it deja vu vu is that if you guys can imagine this enigma wrapped in a riddle, uh, <laughs> like the idea that you would remember having deja vu is like is like a painting where someone's looking at the painting, where someone's looking at the painting, where someone's looking at the painting. <laughs> exactly. It's like so multi-layered for you to be remembering having deja vu as a deja vu is like... It's deja vu of deja vu, hence deja vu vu. Deja vu vu. I love it. That's my new book, deja vu vu. I'm super into deja vu vu. (laughs) Um, Okay, I want to, because because Paul also has, you know, his episode of your podcast, uh, of the podcast with you, and um, and because we're at a little after an hour, um, I want to uh, get into the games. I do. There's games. I also, these are Uh games. There's games. But I also want to... I know you're putting together your website, which will be com, but it's a little confusing. We're hoping that for those of you who listen to this episode later, and you know what? I'm going to say this in front of Tina because she she can take it. But for those of you who are listening to this because you're like, I listened to all of Janet's podcast episodes and now I'm down to the people that I don't know because they're not famous. I want to welcome you in and say that's perfectly human and understandable. But I hope that you're enjoying some of these episodes where I think the story and the humanity of it all is maybe more interesting uh, than even, you know, somebody who's on a TV show. All due respect to those people who I love. Oh, oh yeah. But I may become famous. That's true. Oh, you heard. I'm it doing here a first. lot of public speaking. That's true. You've been doing news. You've been do. You've been meeting with politicians. Yep. I'm so proud. Thanks. I'm yeah. So, proud. so I have a website that's that's uh, under construction. Yep. But you um, also have a blog. 
Yeah. So the website is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, Jasberg, J-A-S-B-E-R-G, at dot com. And the blog is empoweringjourney.wordpress.com. Nice. I love that. Um, I'm sure we're going to get questions from people who wish that I would have asked better or different things. But um, I think, how do you feel? Do you want to talk more about, is it, what have I missed? I mean, there's so much. I, I need like a hundred podcasts. But the, blog, <laughs> but the blog was a good, was yeah. a good jumping off. And, and a too. book will be good. Yeah. Hint, hint. Anybody yep. out there? Book. Yep. <laughs> let's get that book going yeah it's so much but i don't want you to feel like we glossed over anything i'm just trying to think the only thing i can think of is is the depression related to hormones oh but... gosh yeah 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 i do want to talk about okay. that because i think you made a really really good point when we were in the car today um where were we coming from i feel like we've done so much fun stuff i couldn't even remember what it was i think it was like tokyo but uh little, little tokyo town <laughs> little Tokyo close enough close enough um but we were talking about the importance of like for women especially because this is a podcast you know largely about women and humanity Mm -hmm. and we love our male listeners but um that it doesn't seem like when women are feeling depression or anxiety that it necessarily that there are questions that could be asked Right about yeah, definitely or psychosis. Let me throw that one yeah, in. Yeah, throw it in. Uh, got it. Um, what happened to me was every month I ended up in the mental health in the in the psychiatric hospital every month, and you can see where I'm going with this. But uh, so I connected it. Nobody else did. I take all the credit. Good for you. Good for you. Um, is that it was I was it was related to my period. Um, to premenstrual syndrome. And it was actually the worst type of premenstrual, which I can't remember what it's called Me right neither. now. But um, it's a very, very harsh type. Um, and I found a gynecologist who I talked to about this. And we, well, to just to jump to the, <laughs> to the chase of things. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting a total hysterectomy. Um and have not been depressed or in the psychiatric hospital. I mean, that is fascinating. Yeah. And guys, I can say from my own experience, too, that I'm not meant to be on the pill. And again, it's different for everyone. It's different, it's for, different everyone. for everyone. Some people, some people have tremendous depression and anxiety until they go on the pill. So plus, you just don't know. But don't be afraid to ask the questions to yourself. And really, law, like... Don't be afraid, women, to keep a, a, a mood journal in a sense. Mm-hmm. If you're having, you know, if you can, if you're having any kind of problems, I would say I would recommend talking, you know, yeah, to your GP and also to your OBGYN and saying, you know, I'm starting to notice a pattern right. about these, you know, these episodes that I'm having. Or- and I, I would never advocate like everybody should get a, a hysterectomy, you know. Oh, come on. <laughs> Let's let's end the human race as we know it. Yeah. And natural birth as we know it. But I kind of am thinking of advocating for more hormone tests in women with psychiatric illness. I think it can't. What can it hurt? It can't at this hurt. point. I mean, at this point, being armed with as much information as possible. If it's the difference between balancing out your hormones and taking a drug that could have a side effect that it ends up being more you know, doing more harm than good or yeah. any of those things just to be armed with that, that information. When is, when is that not a good idea? It was idea? a simple blood test and yeah. you know, what, what can you lose? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. And yeah, I, I, we, as always, we welcome your opinions. Yeah, I mean, um, if you if somebody has you know has had a different experience, I would love to hear about that also, and uh, encourage you to share on the the Facebook page as a sort of a forum between yourselves. But I think that is really. That's such a good piece. I'm really glad that you brought that up because it does feel very important to go big picture. Yeah, like you just said, picture. it's all connected. Yeah, right. To look at yourself holistically and your experiences, and not just your upbringing, but also your, you know, and yes, your family history. But look, your dad's illness had nothing to do with your hormones, right? And and, and you're a woman, and he's a man. Like you know what I mean? It's just like don't be short sighted about trying to sort of unlock what's going to make you healthiest. And usually things are a lot more complex than yeah. you, than it looks. Yeah, because environmental definitely plays a role. Um, your brain definitely plays a role. And now, you know, hormones, of course. Sure. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Are you ready for a little of this business? Oh my gosh. What is this? You know, these guys, we didn't do these in yes, high school I remember so much, this but guys. maybe we did actually, I wouldn't put it past us for a but moment. I'm- <laughs> to do these in high school. Um, I'll pick green. Okay. G R E E N pick a number. Eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And five, three. I don't have my glasses on. One, two, three. I'm doing one last one. Okay, one. Okay, number one. Uh Uh-oh. What's the worst piece of advice that you've ever gotten? (laughs) Well, Janet Varney. (laughs) (laughs) What if you were like, well, Janet, you once told me. Like, oh, no. This is a hard question, Janet. Have you gotten, do you feel like you've gotten bad advice? Like, was there, was there ever anybody that was like, I mean... That in your in the in the sort of realm of what we're talking about, that was like, oh, just shut up and blah blah blah, or like whatever. Oh yeah, I mean, I've had people say, "You're you're just attention seeking." I mean, that's not really advice, but um, no, but I think that's that qualifies. When you said okay, that earlier, good. I wanted to hit someone because <laughs> because I, I I don't yeah. really have an answer to this question <laughs> yeah it's okay but um, that's what Susan if you listen to the Susan Orlean episode, she says that uh, if you're asked a question you don't have a good answer to, that you go. That's a really interesting question. And then you kind of never answer it, but you talk about I've been about taught what, that with the press. It's good, right? Yeah, I like that. Technically, I am the press. I like it <laughs> I'm on for the better press. better or for worse, I mean, till death to us part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so, being, told, being told by someone, gent- even gently, like, you know, probably this is just about you needing attention. Especially when it's a psych tech. That's risky. Psychiatric technician yeah. at a hospital is yeah. telling you that what you're doing to yourself is only to get attention. That's doesn't that's so belittling. Yeah, I can't see how that would in any way move towards any kind of recovery. Yeah, so I guess it's it's just another voice saying this is your fault. This is on you. You should hate yourself. I hate myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I did a good job. You did a great job. (laughs) Um, So guys, don't let someone try not to let someone else like it's, it's tough because like we talk about stuff like tough love. Sometimes it is important to have someone say you have to do this to take care of yourself. But um if it's told to you in a way that ends up making you feel worse, it's probably wasn't done right. Right. right <laughs> Maybe right. don't listen to that advice. Okay. I'm going to get into some mash. I don't want you to feel any pressure. A lot of people feel a lot of pressure about mash. Ah. Um, but uh, I want to start out by, what do you want to get into animals? Because I love how much you love animals. Okay. So, um, Maybe this is something that we'll be able to come up with off the top of your head, but as a new, as a relatively new birder and 
Guys, I am loud and proud about Tina's birding, and I cannot Love tell it. you how much fun we had at the LA River, where, as you know, I do like to ride my bike, and uh, we saw a lot of great birds. Oh my god! What um, are there three birds that you hope you get to see in your lifetime? List three birds you hope you get to see in your lifetime. Okay, a shoebill. A shoebill in Africa. Okay, I believe it's in Africa. This is a hilarious cartoon-looking bird. Okay. Um, um let me think. <laughs> Well, I saw one, but it's a great bird. Um, a bittern, an American bittern. It makes the most amazing sound ever and it has a really long neck and it looks kind of cartoony. I like it. As you, you like can tell, cartoony I like cartoony ones. I know, birds. me too. Um, what about another one? You know, I said one today and I forgot what it was. Is um, it the Hummer? The Hummingbird? Well, you saw it already, I guess. Right. And it doesn't look that cartoony. <laughs> yeah. What was the one? It was the shoe bill, the one that you showed me. Yeah. What about the one? Was, didn't you say another one? Um, well, what about the we one hiking? we saw at the LA River? Oh, the corner corner. It's called a it's called a double crested cormorant, and it has a very long neck, and it dives under the water, and it looks it sticks its head out, and its body is like submerged, and there it goes with its beak pointed out, and it looks like a what were you saying a serpent? A sea serpent. A sea it serpent. Like a sea, it does look. Like and it's a very sea cartoony as well. I agree. All right, this is what I'm going to turn into this category because now we've created things that you've already seen. Yeah. So now I'm going to turn that into you discovered these three. I just want you to know that <laughs> by the end of this mash, you will be responsible for having discovered one of these three birds. That sounds great. Um, give me three places that you'd like to vacation. It doesn't have to have anything to do with birding. But it will. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> well, so we know Africa. Africa, yes. Okay. Because I have to see the shoe bill. Mm-hmm. Um, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Have to say that because mm-hmm. the birding. <laughs> oh, and again, the birding. And I'm, you know, I'm also into mammals. Great. Yeah. Great. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I love volunteered at the zoo for, for two I years, which I loved. Um, and, and then I think somewhere in, in South America, um, probably Ecuador. Okay, again I'm putting for Ecuador. the birding. Again for the bird. A minute for the birding. If that's what that, you should have like a weird license plate that says a minute for the birding. And then young people everywhere would be like birders, nerds. Love it. That's, I love I'm that a bird you're nerd. nerd. Hey? I love that you're a bird nerd. Um, uh, okay, what about three careers that like imaginary? They could be as far from from reality for you, like completely without even knowing anything about what you right. actually would be doing, but just sound got a good sound to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> all, I can, all I can think is ornithologist. <laughs> it's so funny. Let's get it out there. Ornithologist. Mm-hmm. Um, a ballet dancer. Ooh, wonderful, wonderful. And, well, yeah, National Geographic photographer. That's great. What a great one. Yeah. I'm surprised no one says that before. That's a that's such an amazing, that would be such an amazing that's, adventurous life. Ay, 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 I long I for that it. life I every day. It. I love it. Superpower. Three superpowers you wish you had. Oh, no. Um, to be able to... Be able- <laughs> I don't know what this is, but I just love seeing you laugh. So I'm happy about the answer, whatever it is. <laughs> That's good that you think I'm laughing because my oh. mind is absolutely <laughs> blank. Superpowers. A Wonder Twins. Um, oh, like a Wonder Twins. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love the idea of you, it takes you and one other person. I'm going to go ahead and make it me. Yeah. That's uh, good. It, it would be you. To be a wonder twin so that you can, with someone with the power of someone else, you can turn into something different in and work cooperatively. Yeah. 
capybara yeah <laughs> which which listeners oh yes yes please is the largest rodent and it looks like a giant guinea pig it's hilarious and where do they live they live in south america oh yeah you gotta see one of those okay you got think, a wonder twin <laughs> got a wonder twin power um uh, other superpowers i wish that oh it's not a superpower at all um this is what happens when you play mash that that i that i could sing <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna put that in there because to me that would be a superpower. I because love I can't that. Sing. I love that, and, and I love that it doesn't stop you from also still singing with me. And maybe I wouldn't talk anymore. I'd just sing. Ooh, ooh, communicate through singing. Sing yes. talk. Sing talk. Um, that's fantastic. Thanks. Okay, what's one more? I have one in mind for you, but what would that be? Well, I like the idea of being able to teleport because teleportation would make it possible for you to go anywhere at any given time in a in a second. As long as it's not, I'd like to teleport around the world. Yeah, I think it'd be confusing. It was if it was in time. Okay, you're only teleporting <laughs> in, in our timeline. Yeah, teleport. That's good. That's good. It's too much like deja vu vu the other way. Yeah, you don't need any more deja vu vu. You've had plenty of deja vu vu. Um, what about three? Uh, what about three? I know you said singing already is a talent, so I won't. I won't. I guess I won't force that on you. Oh, three animals that you wish you could understand. Um, their language, if you will, that you guys, that you could communicate with three different animals. Gotcha. I um, almost wrote down gotcha. What's got a gotcha? It, got it. Please tell us what a gotcha is and where it lives. <laughs> well, you know, I have, I have ferrets. And so. Love it. Love my ferrets. Love them. Love it. Um, I have Madison, Monty, and I used to have Gus Gus really recently until Gus Gus, you know. I always enjoy your names. Let's just enjoy Madison, Monty, and Gus Gus's names. And you have a bird named Sherman. Yes. Sherman. Sherman. That's gold. But um, I wish they could under- I could understand how the ferrets communicate because they don't make very much noise at all. And, and they don't really gesture to each other <laughs> with their paws. They don't give each other a thumbs up or like a get over here, buddy. But they, they have a blast together. I mean, have you seen ferrets play? You got to I, I got to get into that straight away. Okay, so ferrets, what else? Ferrets and then I don't understand how different do different of course this is birds. Love it. But when they chirp, yep. How do they understand like what type of bird is communicating communicating to what type of bird? How do they even find their own type of chirp within yeah. all of these chirps? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what I'm going to call that. I'm going to call it bird chirp. Bird chirp. Okay. <laughs> bird chirp is very good. And then one final one. Yeah. The final one would be, and this is on everybody's list, but elephants. That's great. Because they're so, they're so freaking smart. intelligent. Yeah. That. Oh, How that to be able be to communicate with an elephant about its own memory and about the elephant graveyards and like the way they perceive family and stuff. Mm -hmm. I would just be fascinated. I'd probably be crying the whole time. No, it'd probably be like talking to each other because they're so smart. Yeah. It's like, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. What about, um, this is a pretty long game. I know it gets it. This is like the, it's its own interview process. Okay. What about three, I love that I say, th- I love that I say like I'm starting something real, but really I'm just, every- everyone knows whatever it is is going to be three of something, but I'm like, what about three? Oh, what a twist. What about, um, <laughs> let's go for two. No, I'm laughing at myself. No, I'm laughing at myself. What about, um, three 
types of food that you could eat however much you wanted of forever and it would actually be good for you which kind of means it has to be junk okay food. junk food um gotcha ice cream love it i can't help it simple melt basic. in your mouth not in your hands <laughs> no, it, no, Actually, it, no it, it for sure would melt in your hands i can be a hundred percent certain that it melts in your hands oh uh, that was all ice cream's wrong. good ice cream's a you classic know, these are so like typical but who cares who cares um, it's a, yeah i don't pizza was my favorite yeah, food forever pizza they got it right with pizza they did what's not to like who knew i've never met a person who didn't like pizza and then um it's good for you so i'm glad i'm choosing this yeah. sushi great love a good piece of sushi which we keep almost getting and then somehow we end up not getting sushi we tried the to whole today. time i've here janet's been like i keep tricking, offering it up and then me i know i keep yeah. offering it up and then tonight I get away all right we can sushi it up tonight <laughs> um okay i've got two more categories uh, oh i just saw hummingbird sorry it flew away oh this is like taunting it's taunting tina right now because it's there 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 and it's gone. an allen's <laughs> Alan's That's amazing. Hummingbird. Three instruments you wish you could play. Oh, man. Well, I wish, you know, my mom plays the piano. Mm-hmm. So I, it's amazing. And I don't, I played for a while, but I give up on all musical instruments. Okay. So piano. Gave up on piano? You're not, not anymore. You might be a virtuoso. Yeah. Um. Definitely. I tried. <laughs> Again, I tried. The, yeah. This was my favorite. The banjo. I love it. And I played a five string and I loved it's hard. it. It's hard. Maybe one day you'll go back to it. Maybe. Um, number three. Number three. As I'm looking around. Janet's What's an instrument? Room. What's an instrument? Um, okay, I'm going to come up with one that I think I'd like to see you play. What's that? The jug band. Like being in a jug band and playing a jug. I <laughs> would love that. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the country bear jamboree yes and there was that bear and it had the jug yes yes that's, that's it that's maybe me. that's what ryan made of our disneyland trip somehow mm-hmm. um and three disneyland rides <laughs> that it would be really fun if somehow you they were just like one of them was in your backyard you could just one access it whenever real? you wanted yeah Ooh, or one of them was real oh, one of them if was somehow real. it turns into some version of a real adventure that's a great category yeah thanks that's a really <laughs> good category i love that because well, suddenly like you're on an actual me- like like tr- like mining car like yeah Oh, it's cool. I love that. Or like um, the Jungle Boat, the Jungle Boat Cruise. Like seeing, like if that it was one real, of them, then I you're was going to choose. Thanks. Well, why don't I put it in? <laughs> jungle Cruise. Of course, I real. would choose that because I love that category. Okay, Jungle um, Cruise. You know, it's a small world, and this is too cliche, but it's a small world because I have dreamed about traveling my whole life, but haven't been able to due to my illness and. I'm going to, damn it. Um, I love that answer. Yeah. So do I. Oh, my God. (laughs) Good luck trying to top that with your final one. Good luck. And my final one for the final answer is the Haunted Mansion. Oh, fun. Um, Spirits. Because... At the end, when they're in your car, the ghosts, yes, they're all goofy looking, yes. and I think that would be great. Yes, I Casper. agree. I totally agree. What a great... Oh, my gosh. This is like the best category I've ever... And I didn't even come up with it. It's the best category <laughs> I've ever done on MASH. Okay, um, I'm going to hide this from you. Tell me when to stop. 
Stop. Oh, so fast. Okay. Um, I'm going to do a countdown. I have one, two, three, four, five. Okay. I'm going to count down. I'm going to pause it. I'm going to come back. And I am going to deliver your future straight to you, miss. Uh-oh. Okay. Here's the thing. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your excellent skills on the piano your mom is going to be so proud you guys are going to play heart and soul together on that piano you're going to play chopsticks you guys are going to play so many duets it's going to blow her mind playing something more complex you could probably play something more complex because at this point you're a virtuoso so you definitely play the piano i I do want to congratulate you on that um yes you could absolutely listen you could write your own scott joplin-esque music um uh, I, perhaps you'll even write a song about what elephants are thinking. That's because beautiful. Well done, you. You can communicate with elements. That's beautiful. I just said elements. <laughs> the the elementary element of elephants, uh, which is actually going to come in really handy because you are going to be going on a real life jungle cruise. This is perfect. And while you're at it, might as well head over to New Zealand. Mm. which as many of you know i will be doing myself (laughs) uh i don't think it will come as any surprise to you that you will be seeing your share of bitterins and in fact you yourself discovered bitterins not a surprise due to the fact that you are indeed an ornithologist yes but apparently not a very rich one because you do live in a shack i just want to apologize (laughs) for that straight away you do not live in a mansion, apartment, or house. You live in a shack. Where did that that's come That's just from? what happens. That's the mash part of mash, M-A-S-H. Ah, so that's, a, a, that's sh- a decided. I don't you mind live in living shack. in a shack. Maybe I have a, like some animals in the shack. Well, you're constantly surrounded by elephants, your jungle crews, uh, birds because you're an ornithologist. You probably travel a ton. Yeah, it'd be nice. Especially since you're able to teleport anywhere in the world in our timeline. I would take a shack any day. Yeah. I think you're going to be just fine with all of this stuff. And that only thing that that leaves is no matter where you go, feel free to take a slice of pizza with you because you are going to be able to eat ah, as much la, la. pizza as you want <laughs> until the end of time. I love this game. Um, Let's play I again. I love <laughs> this future. I love this future. I love Disneyland Ride Becomes Real. It's a lot better than Disneyland Ride Becomes a Movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, and at this time, I just want to thank you so much for doing the podcast, tell you I love you, love you, love you. Thank and I want to invite Jay. you to give some shout outs to anybody that you might want to shout out on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, of, of course I need to shout out to Eric. Eric, this is your shout out. Very well. Um, Very well done. He's a dear, dear man. Uh, to uh, By the way, I respect Eric so much. I didn't give you uh, three guys that you would have to end up with. That's I'm just good because, you know, Eric's my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's amazing. And my family, of course, all of my family, because they've been amazing. And we've all stayed together through all of what we just talked about. And that's amazing. And, and my dear, dear friends who have come in and out of my life but are always the same. I, we, we pick up where we left off, and, and that's, that's what I love. Yeah, I love you. I love you too, Nyat. All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of this episode. I sure as heck did. And uh, I look forward to your questions and your comments and, uh, and all of your notes and all the different places that we keep in touch. So thanks again, and thank you, Tina. Christina. <laughs> thanks, Janet. Before we were bitter Back before we were bitter Hey, remember
today's the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.